Welcome to Hidden Wings and Bloodlust, the podcast dedicated to ladybirds. I'm your host, Rachel. Now, the episode I was planning to release this week still isn't entirely ready and won't be for a while while I put the finishing touches to it, so I'm going to cover a topic I've been looking forward to for quite a while now. But first of all, my podcast recommendation for this week is Farmints. It's a podcast I've just started listening to and it's just adorable. It's all about different animals, wild or domesticated, and to give you an idea, the last episode I listened to, the host Paul had his daughter Bailey on the show to talk about wombats and how cute they are and how their bums are quite badass bums. So if you want to listen to that and learn something new about new animals, then go check it out. So the topic for this week is ladybirds and religion. And I'm planning to do several episodes on this theme because ladybirds do have a lot of religious significance. So this is actually going to be the first in a two-part episode on this topic. And I'm a Jew and Judaism is the religion I know most about. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the significance of ladybirds in our traditional folk tales and religious teachings. It's all going to be an occasional series I'll be doing. It won't always be all in one go. I will do it from, from time to time. And so in future episodes, I'll interview people from various religious backgrounds to talk about our favourite insect. What's really exciting is that all over the world, people have got a lot of different religious traditions to do with ladybirds. Let's get started. So all the way back in episode one, I talked about how the seven spot has got a religious significance in Catholicism. It was named as Our Lady's Bird because the seven spots were thought to represent the seven joys and seven sorrows of the Virgin Mary. Plus other aspects, for example, it doesn't have any predators that they knew about anyway. And it helps farmers, it eats horrible pests and so on. And in different European languages, the ladybird came on to take this significance on as well. You'll find it being called stuff like Bozhaya Korovka or God's Cow in Russian. And one of these languages, you ended up having a religious theme associated with the ladybird was Yiddish, and that was spoken by European Jews. And despite the fact they weren't Catholic and didn't have didn't regard the Virgin Mary with the same significance, the concept of a ladybird is plainly something they knew about. I mean, most people know what a ladybird is. I hope so, if, especially if they listen to this podcast. But back then it was actually considered a bit blasphemous to associate God with a ladybird. There are certain rules about when you're allowed to say the word God in Judaism. For example, sometimes you don't write the full name of God out, you just write G-D. And another example is you say Hashem, or the name, rather than the actual word God. And back then, when everyone was a lot more religious, it would have been a lot more strict. As we didn't believe in the Virgin Mary, calling it a ladybird would also have been seen as problematic. So, according to a column in the Jewish Daily Forward by a writer calling himself Philologos in 2004, these names are interesting because while they show clear Slavic or German influences, they are Judaized forms of them, which not only, as would go without saying, is the Virgin Mary shunted aside, but God's name is considered too holy to be coupled with a lowly creature like a beetle. And so into Yiddish, they started associating ladybirds with the prophets and with Moses rather than with God. 
So it became known as Moses' little cow, Moshe Rabbeinus Behemele or Moshe Rabbeinus Kiele. And today in Hebrew is Parat Moshe Rabbeinu, which again means the little cow of Moses, our teacher. Ladybirds were also even known as Meshechel or little messiah. And another article from Haaretz this time says, quote, The famous Hebrew poet Chaim Balik talks about Moses' little horses, Moshe Rabbeinu's Ferdele, sparking interest during his childhood. Different Yiddish dialects resulted in different words. And, as well as adapting Christian words for the ladybird, both Moses and the beetle are considered, quote, humble creatures who do no harm. And Moses is actually perhaps the most respected figure in Judaism. It is said traditionally that there's never actually been another man who was so close to God and he was the only one who saw his face. The Haaretz article goes on to say, quote, One of the most oft-cited reasons I found for associating God or religious figures with the ladybug is that colourful arthropods' usefulness in maintaining crops, since the natural pesticide eats aphids and other insects that can destroy the farmer's yields. Others say the ladybug's ability to steer clear of predators, thanks to its warning coloration, its bitter taste, and the yellowish fluid it can discharge to repulse predators in times of danger, might have been seen as a sign that it had God's protection. The Torah itself, the Torah, if you don't know, is the is the Jewish Bible. It's the five the first five books of what is often called the Old Testament. It's called the Tanakh. The Torah doesn't actually have much to say about insects, except to say that they usually aren't kosher. Some species of grasshoppers might be kosher, but only if you communities of Yemeni Jews have any tradition of eating them and can even tell the kosher ones from the non-kosher ones. But other species of insects, apart from grasshoppers, are completely forbidden to eat. The Talmud basically consists of discussions by rabbis on how to interpret the Torah and is used by Jews on how to interpret rules and regulations. And while I was researching this episode, I found a rabbinic discussion in the Talmud about the correct way to kill a grasshopper, as in how you would kill it to be kosher. Bear in mind, I'm not recommending anyone try this at home, okay? But basically, you would kill it similarly to how you would kill a kosher animal. This would usually be done by slitting the animal's throat and, somewhat disturbingly, the Talmud advocates trying to kill a grasshopper the same way. Given that they've got a similar segmented anatomy, beetles would probably also be killed like this. There is a big discussion about where you can actually do this. Again, please don't don't do this, okay? i.e. not killing a grasshopper by a statue in case it seems that you're making a sacrifice to that statue. But as far as ladybirds go, they cannot be eaten and they're usually useful rather than being pests like locusts and grasshoppers can be. So from the source I looked at, it's not clear where or even if a ladybird can be killed. Let's hope not, eh? On to a slightly more um, cheerful subject. There's also a Yiddish folktale I found 
about Moses and his encounter with a ten spot. Now, a ten spot is something I've mentioned a few times on the show, and there's a lot to say about it. It's coming up in a future episodes, and I was quite interested to see because usually in popular culture, it's always either seven spots or occasionally two spots, and now occasionally Harlequins. But this photo talked about ten spots, which well, I was really surprised at actually because they're not always that well known. So this tale was written by a guy called Frank Pomerantz, and it was translated to English by Leah Robinson. In one place, I can only find it online, and I can't find the ending anyway, and it's called The Ladybird. So in this story, The Ladybird asks Moses about the Torah and challenges him as to why beetles have got a lesser position in the hierarchy. Quote, Ladybird, I keep thinking about the Ten Commandments. Moses, well, Ladybird, I keep racking my brains. Can I keep them or can't I? Moses, what concern is that of yours? It's something for Jews, for humans to worry about. God's commandments were not meant for beetles, my little brother. These words did not please Moses' our teacher's little cow and it objected in an offended tone of voice. What, is a beetle of no account to you? Are good deeds and sins only for human beings then? Do you think that human beings are always going to be in a privileged position? You're making a big mistake. Soon you'll find out if a beetle is of no account. And so the ten spot comes up with a plan to break the Ten Commandments. And I wasn't able to find the end of this story. I I looked everywhere and I couldn't find what happens in the end. And I was really upset, actually, because I only had access to the first page and there didn't even seem to be an option to buy the second page or buy the book anywhere online. So if anyone knows what happened or they've heard this story before and can let me know what happened, then please let me know. Sadly, unfortunately, it seems that nothing that is said about Judaism can be without a mention of anti-Semitism these days. And so, when I researched this episode, I sadly found an example of how an anti-Semite linked Jews with ladybirds. In the 18th century, there was this guy called Nicolas Francois Hofnagel, who was a satirist living in the Netherlands. And unfortunately, like many people back then, he didn't like Jews. And he actually doesn't seem to have liked anything or anyone else much either. Quote, according to one analysis of his writings, quote, the image of the smelly, deceiving, insect-like Jew legitimised a negative attitude towards the Jew and Jewish customs. During the election of a new cantor, this, uh, this person who sings in the synagogue, quote, Hofnagel compares the Jews gathering for the election with crawling vermin, ladybugs and frogs. Okay, well, obviously he had a few issues and uh, I don't really know where to start, but clearly he did. But there's also another guy called Joris Hofnagel who did absolutely beautiful illustrations of ladybirds around the same time and he doesn't seem to have been anti-Semitic in any way And I don't know whether he's related to this guy, but he's just drawn lots of beautiful pictures of cute ladybirds. So look up Joris Hofnagel if you want to see some nice pictures. So 
Personally, I find that when I get outside in nature, I do feel closer to God. And it's definitely the case that when you think about everything ladybirds do and the variety of them, the variety of different ladybirds is quite miraculous. And if you're not religious, then you don't have to think about it in a religious way or to do with God, but in simply a ladybirds are amazing kind of way. You don't have to think about anything. Just think they are because they are amazing. And certainly if I've been depressed about something or feel guilty about something, seeing a ladybird really does seem to make me feel a whole lot better. So needless to say, in the Jewish religion, you can't eat ladybirds. And among many reasons why you don't want to eat a ladybird, they're not kosher. So if you're a Jew and you're listening to the show, take my advice and don't eat a ladybird. It is just not worth it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm actually going to revisit this topic by talking to Trisha Arlen in the next episode, who wrote a wonderful player called Blessing for the Bugs. And it was published on the site Ritual Well and also on the site Open Sidor. And over the course of this podcast, hopefully quite a number of other people about ladybirds and religion. And I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I've put all the sources I've used in the show notes, so please feel free to read more. And if you want to tell me more about how ladybirds are viewed in your religion, then please get in touch with me. You can follow me on Twitter at HWAB Podcasts, on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash bloodlust, or on Instagram at 365.ladybird. If you like this show and want to support me, then you can follow me on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash hiddenwingsandbloodlust. Music at the start of the show is by Deborah Torrance. And music at the end is Boardroom Walk by Cascade Cax Pistapirco. So thank you for listening and goodbye for now. Six.